Good morning again. Thanks for being with us on this first Sunday of January. When I remember when I was younger, <clears throat> hearing people who were not younger say things like, man, you just can't believe how fast time goes. It's just a blink and it's gone. And can you, I mean, it's another year already, which either means time really does go fast or I'm getting older or maybe a little of both. But anyways, it's good to be together. I don't want you to lament the fact that another year has passed, but rather celebrate God's goodness through the past year and look forward to the faithfulness that he's promised us in a new year. That's what we have as hope as believers. I want that to be your hope this morning. So we've been in the book of Ephesians since September of 2020, and we've taken just a short break to look at some Christmas things over the last couple weeks. And then now in these first two weeks of the new year, we're going to look at Scripture memory and prayer. So Scripture memory today, prayer next Sunday, and then we'll be back into Ephesians from there. And my goal this morning is to persuade you about the importance of hiding God's Word in your heart. Now, I know when some of us hear the words, memorize scripture, we kind of go, because we know this is probably the right thing to do. It is a good thing to do, but in reality, it can be very difficult. And so what I want to do this morning is to encourage you not to make you feel guilty if you haven't done this. You are not somehow a lesser Christian if you've not yet memorized any scripture. And I don't mean to say that if you have committed text to memory that you're somehow superior to your brothers and sisters who are still on this journey. But I love the Bible. And I want you to love the Bible. And one of the ways that we show our love for God's word is to commit God's word to memory. And so what I want to do this morning is give you and me Four reasons why we should commit Scripture to memory. Some biblical reasons, some practical reasons. We're going to talk about ways that you can do this. If you've never memorized Scripture, I want to give you some tools to use so that you can commit the Word of God to memory. And I think about memorizing Scripture like this. I know it's hard for a lot of people. But if there is something that is required of you in your employment... You know it. You know programming. You know routines. You know procedure. You know what to do. Why do you know that? Because it's important to you. And because you value your employment, your income, whatever. My point is this. If we value our employment enough to know what we need to know, what does it say about our love for the Word of God if we approach that with any less vigor? Or any less intentionality. The word of God is our life. It's how we know him. So I want to encourage us this morning to work on this very important discipline of memorizing scripture. So let's pray together and see what the word of God has for us this morning. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for preserving us through another year and opening another chapter now. And I pray that as we approach the upcoming year that we would do so with humble gratitude to you for what you have done in the past, what you are doing right now, and what you have promised to do in the future. 
Lord, if we have put our faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ, we belong to you. And we desire that our lives reflect who you are and what you have told us. So come and be our teacher this morning and impress upon us the importance of knowing your word so that our own hearts are encouraged, so that we can be a blessing to those around us and so that the lost will hear and believe that Jesus Christ is your son and the only way to eternal life. So come and do this work, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, scripture, memory, and prayer, the things that we're going to look at for the next couple of weeks, both fall into the category of what we would call spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines do not mean getting in trouble when you don't do it. Think of it more as an academic discipline, right? We talk about the discipline of science or of history or something like this. And if you haven't ever heard the phrase spiritual disciplines, I'd commend to you a book by Donald Whitney who wrote about the disciplines of the Christian life. And here's how he defines spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in Jesus Christ. They are habits of devotion, habits of experiential Christianity that have been practiced by God's people since biblical times. So in summary, spiritual disciplines are the things that assist in and promote our growth in the Lord. Reading the Bible is a spiritual discipline. Prayer is a discipline. Gathering together, what we do corporately, worshiping together, is a spiritual discipline. These are all means of grace that God gives us so that we know Him. Okay, so these things can be personal They can be corporate, meaning together. They can be practiced in a large group, a small group. They are modeled for us in the Bible. When we read the Bible, we see people engaging in these things. And more than just being modeled, though, spiritual disciplines are commended to us through the pages of Scripture. They're taught that we ought to do these things. And I think a really important thing that we need to point out before we go any farther is that spiritual disciplines are a means, not an end. You understand ends and means, right? So what I mean is that to have a robust prayer life, to commit Scripture to memory, to gather together regularly for worship, those are all great things, but they are not the end, the goal of Christianity. Knowing God is the goal and the end of Christianity. And all of these things, scripture memory, prayer, corporate worship, assist us in knowing God. So don't confuse the fact that, well, as long as I just memorize enough scripture or I pray long enough or whatever, that's it. That's the goal. That's not true. All of these things are meant to push us towards God and to help us understand who he is and what he has done for us. So, Let's look this morning, four reasons why we should commit the Bible to our memory. You can write these as we go or just listen. Number one, we memorize the scripture to keep us from sin. We memorize the scripture to keep us from sin. Psalm 119.11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We're going to see in probably a few weeks or several weeks, 
in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is telling us about the armor of God and the things that we are to put on as Christians to live the Christian life. And out of all of the pieces of armor that Paul gives us to put on, only one of those things is an offensive weapon. What is it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Everything else is protection and defense. Only one thing will kill sin. The Word of God. This is what the psalmist is getting at in Psalm 119. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Storing God's word in your heart or hiding it, however your Bible puts that, is the reality of committing Scripture to memory, having it in you so that it is readily accessible for your life. Let me ask you this. When you are tempted to sin, and I say when, not if, when you are tempted to sin, what do you reach for? How do you fight those temptations? Past experience? Maybe. You know, you look back and you go, I've done this before, I don't want to get, okay, okay, that might work. Maybe a distraction? Like, I just, I just don't want to think about it, I'm going to get busy doing something else. Okay, that might work. But what should you reach for? When you are tempted, what will ultimately kill the desire for sin? I'm going to argue that it is the word of God. And how does that work? The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin. What does that mean? How does that work? I think, after reading, that the word of God keeps us from sin by doing this. It reveals to us what the truth is. You see, sin is false. Sin is a lie. The temptation to sin is like a donut that's filled with mayonnaise. And it looks really good, but you bite into it, you will be vomiting within five seconds, I guarantee you. So sin is false. What do we need to combat what is false? We need the truth. So we hide the word of God in our heart, what is true, and as we do that, the Bible reveals to us Things about God, things about us, things about sin, things about righteousness, and how all of that works together. So we hide the word of God in our heart to keep us from sin. When you are tempted to sin, you need to know what the outcome of that sin is. You need truth to combat that. When you're tempted to go down the way of the wicked or the path of the unrighteous, you need something like Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You need to remember that when you are tempted to sin. The outcome of sin is death. We memorize the word of God to remind us of that end and to keep us from sin. Number two, we memorize scripture to remind us and others of God's promise in the moment. We memorize scripture to remind us and others of God's promise 
for the moment. Sometimes, because of sin, circumstances, depression, whatever the issue may be, we forget. We're tempted to doubt the promises of God. You find yourself in the middle of a really sticky situation, what do you have to hold on to? What reminds you of what is true? You doubt the promises of God, it it just happens. I'm not saying that this is some kind of oddity that ought never to happen in your life. This happens. This is reality. That you find yourself in a situation, you go, I don't even know what to do. What is going on? Where's my solid ground? Where's my rock? Who's going to preserve me? You need a text in your heart that you can hang on to. Something like Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God will multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their name upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You need that kind of promise. When you are in the middle of something that you do not know what to do with. The word of God provides that for us. But sometimes the reminders aren't just for us, are they? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we need to be a comfort and encouragement to somebody else whose life is falling apart. If you have lived any length of time, you have been around people who are desperate for hope desperate for stability. When your friend comes to you and he lost his job and he's on his way home to talk to his family, he has no idea what are you going to tell him. You put your arm around him and you reach into what you have hidden in your heart and you pull out something like Psalm 46 and you say, God is our refuge and strength of very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the sea and the waters roar and foam and the mountains tremble at their swelling, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You need the Bible to be a comfort to others in their time of need. This is just the reality of living the life here, folks. We constantly find ourselves in situations where we are called upon or even expected to have a word. I just want to remind you that you and I have nothing worthwhile to say (laughs) apart from the word of God. You find yourself in a situation where you need help. Our instinct is to try to figure out how we can solve the problem. That's just human nature. You're in trouble? Okay, what do I need to do? Do, 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 do. That's all we want to do is just fix it. But what if you had in your heart a text? What if you had committed to memory something that would remind you of what God has promised right now in the moment? 
Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your helper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will preserve you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord will preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. We we need these reminders. I have not memorized scripture so that I can look really smart. I have not committed things to memory so that I can appear to be holy or because I'm a pastor and I need to carry myself a certain way. I have memorized the word of God out of a sense of desperation. Largely. Because so often I find myself in situations where I just don't feel like I have anything. Or I'm called upon to be the rock, to be the solid one. I don't have anything. But the word of God does. And it is so important that we know what the word says so that we understand and are reminded of God's promise in the moment. Right now, there is help for you. And there is help for those around you. And the word of God is what provides that help to us. The word of God stored in my heart has never let me down. And it will never let you down. So we memorize to remind us of God's promises for the moment. Number three, we memorize scripture to be reminded of what God has done for us in the past. If we forget, if we forget what God has done for us in Christ, we will start to look for hope, we'll start to look for answers in places where we should never look. Have you ever heard the phrase gospel amnesia? Gospel amnesia is when we know the truth, but we forget it, and we start to look all over for answers, for help, for hope. We need to commit things to memory that remind us that Jesus Christ lived and died for us, that he has adopted us into the family of God. We need to know what happened so that we can praise God. We need something like Romans 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for us. And scarcely will someone die for a righteous person, but perhaps for a good person, someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need that reminder so that you put your hope and your trust in the God who never fails. We memorize and commit things to our heart so that we understand what God has done for us in the past. Now before we go on to the last point, 
I want to just offer a few practical encouragements. Maybe you have never committed anything to memory. Maybe you've committed a whole bunch of scripture to memory and you have a great system down and that's wonderful. Keep up the good work. But for those of us who have a harder time with this, and there are people who legitimately have a really difficult time committing the word of God to memory. It's not always just laziness or uh, inattention or they're just not interested. There are legitimate reasons why this is really hard. So I want to offer just a couple of things that can really help. And, and kids, younger people, listen to this. Right now, your minds are relatively clear. <laughs> you don't have the weight of responsibility and job and parenting and marriage and provision and insurance and all the kinds of things. Your mind is open. Stock it with something. So here's what I have to say. First, start small. Start small. Choose a verse that has significance to you or that is practically helpful for whatever season of life you are in right now. You don't have to commit to a whole chapter or say, I'm going to memorize the whole book of Philippians. Well, that'd be great, but start with one verse. Start small. This is the way that we hide God's word in our heart. For me, that one verse was Isaiah 26, 3. And a couple years later, I added four to it. If you've ever gotten a card from me, chances are Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 has been written on the bottom. Because these verses, even though they're very small, very short, have become to me some of the most precious words in my life. Through all of the things that I've gone through, physical, transplant, dialysis, whatever, these verses kept me. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord is an everlasting rock. You could memorize that. That's 30 words. That's not bad. Start small. Choose a verse that has meaning and significance to you and commit it to memory. Second, use repetition. Probably the most obvious thing I'll say all morning. <laughs> the way you become familiar with something is by seeing it over and over again. Whatever you like to do in this, you can read it over and over, you can listen to it over and over, maybe write it out. I guarantee you that if you take a verse and you write it down every day on a note card, by the end of the week, you will know that verse. This isn't rocket science, but it is work. But it is totally worth it. So start small. Use repetition. Third, don't just read the text. Study the text. If you're like me, maybe you were in some kind of a program when you were younger where you memorized a whole bunch of verses. And that's fantastic. I just told the kids, you should be stocking your mind with scripture. And I 100% agree with that. When I was 10 years old, I probably could have told you 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for correction and rebuke and exhortation that the man of God may be fully equipped for every good work. I had no idea what that meant. I could tell you. But it wasn't until I understood that these things were cemented in my heart. 
So yes, memorize, but two, know what you're memorizing. <laughs> it will do nobody any good if you can recite a verse and somebody says, great, what does that mean? I don't know, but I memorized it. We've got to know. You've got to know what you're committing to memory. So don't just read, but study, ask questions, find out what the text means because... For whatever reason, the way that God designed our brains to work, when you understand something, it is so much easier to bring it to mind. So don't just read the text, study the text. Now, after you have established some kind of rhythm for memorization, you kind of have this down, you, you can do a verse and, and you know it pretty well, maybe it's time to challenge yourself and add a second verse onto that. And one of the great things about being in the body of Christ is you are surrounded with people who should also be doing the same thing. So I want to commend to you the idea of memorizing Scripture with somebody else. Get yourself a partner. And not only will that grow your understanding of God's Word and what He has told us and what He expects of us, but it will grow your relationship with that person because now the Word of Christ is dwelling in you both richly. And it can be really good accountability because you know we're getting together on Tuesday night. I better have this verse done. It can be really helpful. So find someone you can do this with. God delights in his word. He has exalted his word. The Psalms tells us his word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And one of the ways that you and I, as his children, can show that we also delight in the word of God is by committing it, even very small parts of it, to our memory. So start small, use repetition, understand what you're memorizing, and get somebody that can do it with you. Okay? That's not a guaranteed recipe for success. That's just what's worked in my life. You might have a totally different system. That's great. That's great. This is kind of like the Bible reading plan. I don't care what plan you're doing as long as you're doing one. And I don't care if you memorize one verse in this coming year as long as you are doing something. Because there is coming a time, if it hasn't already come, where you will need to offer a word of instruction, encouragement, hope, stability. The word of God is designed to give us those things. So hide it in your heart and be ready. Fourth, and lastly, we memorize Scripture to be reminded of what God will do in the future. Memorize Scripture to be reminded of what God will do in the future. Not only does hiding God's Word in our heart keep us from sin and give us the promises we need for the moment and remind us of what God has done in the past, but committing texts to our memory will remind us of what God has promised to do in the future. I don't remember if I've ever mentioned this here in the, in the church before, but I have a favorite chapter in the Bible. Yeah, funny, funny. Romans chapter 8 has been for me the anchor of my life. It tells me what God did in the past. It tells me what God is doing right now in my life. And it tells me what he is promising to do in the future. And in between all of those things are these mind-blowing realities of what God has done. 
and maybe more than any other text, what Paul says about the future of the creation around us, about the future of the sons of God, about what he has promised to do, how he has securely kept us, has been a tremendous encouragement to me. Josh didn't know I was going to use this. We just read part of this in our call to worship this morning. But we need to be reminded of what God will do in the future. So I'm going to close by picking up in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth till now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now who hopes for what he sees? Hope that is seen is not hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we should. But he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In those whom he predestined, he also called. In those whom he called, he justified. In those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what are we going to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but Gave him up for us all. How is he not also going to with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God, who is right now making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or danger or nakedness or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We memorize the Bible to be reminded of what God has promised to do in the future. And we base our hope on that promise. This is so worth your time. Not to prop yourself up. But to be used by God in the ministry to other people. And to give your heart the sure footing that it needs to live this life. It keeps us from sin. It reminds us of God's promises for the moment. It tells us what he has done in the past. And the word of God tells us what he will do in the future. Let's pray.
Father, I pray right now for those who are young, who are hearing this message and wondering if this is something they could do. I pray for those who are in the middle of life, maybe with young kids and responsibility and busyness in their household, wondering if there's even time to fit this in. And for those who are in the later years of life who maybe his minds are not as sharp as they once were, I pray for everyone here, myself included, that we would pursue this all-important discipline of committing your word to our memory. You are our strength, our rock, and you have revealed yourself in your word. So please give us grace and give us help to be able to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. That we would know what you have done and be able to give a word in season that will be helpful, encouraging. I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit who binds the word of Christ to our hearts. And Father, would you be pleased to give us the help that we need to commit your word to our memory for the glory of Jesus Christ, your Son, and for the good of your church. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.